Power Project crew, welcome to today's show. This episode was recorded on April 3rd with Sherian Lee. Uh, Sherian is a licensed marriage and family therapist, a certified wellness coach and personal trainer. Sherian specializes in uh, ADD, ADHD parenting, uh, work challenges, anxiety, depression, eating disorders, PTSD, the whole gamut. And uh, what's awesome is she uses uh, a lot of exercise to help um, you know some of her patients get over some of these uh, these challenges. And uh, we got into a lot of that about how she does these nature walks. Uh, Mark, all the time, he's, he's talking about how, you know, when he wants to talk to his kids or whoever it may be, uh, the second you go on a walk, you, know, you almost can't shut them up. Um, so she uses something similar in helping people work through things. And on top of all of that, she's actually extremely jacked. Um, you guys, if you watch this on YouTube or Facebook, you'll be shocked at... Um, You'll never believe her age. Put it that way. Uh, she is in ex- and she is in extremely great shape. Uh, she explains how her first date with her husband. She's like, uh, I got to go to the gym. I got to go get my training on. Uh, so that's really really cool. So we talked to her. We asked her a bunch of questions about like how can uh, someone in a relationship who has a significant other that's not really into fitness but they're trying and it's kind of, you know that that battle of like almost the other person that's not into it kind of brings the other person down. So we asked her uh, if she can give us some advice for people that might be in that same situation. So with this lockdown, you know, no, nobody's really talking too much about the mental side of things, you know, the uh, the detriment that all of this can actually put on somebody. So having a conversation like this is really, really important. So we really thank Sherry for taking the time out. And as fast as possible, I just want to remind everybody again, please head over to markbell.com. Right now we're giving away a free 30-day trial to the entire website. Markbell.com, of course, is Mark's personal website where he puts up his uh, every every single day he puts up a brand new workout so right now with everyone's gym shut down you might be a little bit lost or you just need a little bit of guidance well right now you can get that for free from mark bell at markbell.com just register and you'll gain access to the entire website for free for 30 days also please take advantage of the 20 percent off discount we're giving on every slingshot and hip circle combo at markbellslingshot.com that's any slingshot of your choice any hip circle of your choice and you'll receive 20% off at checkout. And also, again, we have the, uh, the the new kids' hip circles, so that way you guys can get the kiddos involved in your daily workouts. But that's it for me. So if you guys enjoy this uh, conversation, please reach out to Sharian. And again, uh, check out some of, her, uh, some of her bodybuilding stuff. You'll be blown away at, uh, again, that she's kind of defied or she's found the, uh, the, the fountain of youth for sure. Uh, but anyways, yeah, reach out to her. Her social media links will be down in the YouTube description and iTunes show notes. And ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy the show. Uh, hey, but like real talk, have you guys had those cookies yet? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I think honestly the cookies are dope because, because it's a high fat cookie. When you have cookies from other companies and they don't have much fat, they're kind of dry. They're not chewy. But since these are high fat cookies, they're like ooey gooey chewy. So damn good. Yeah. Have you guys ever had like homemade keto cookies? No. No. Okay. So when we were doing keto a couple years ago and even still to this day, Stephanie will make a low carb, high fat cookie. And you know how like, like, okay, you can have like a store bought cookie, but it's got nothing on a homemade cookie. Uh, This is like it, man, dude, it is like the perfect combo of like opening up a wrapper, but still getting that homemade taste. And if you've experimented with 
you know, a ketogenic diet and having these keto treats, then you'll know what I'm talking about. I don't know how they did it, but it tastes so freaking good. And the texture is amazing. Um, I was worried that I'd take a bite out, out of their, um, the double chocolate, you know, chip cookie. And it would just kind of like have a resemblance of like a double chocolate cookie, but that thing is like a brownie and it is so freaking good. I don't know how they did it. And then Mark, how do you, how do they come up with only, I think two net carbs per cookie? Yeah, they did. They did a great job. You know, I think they use, um, I didn't look at the cookie, but the way that they usually do it is they usually have fiber in there. So, you know, fiber doesn't really count as a calorie, um, to, for some people, some people don't count it. Some people do actually, but it usually is not, uh, utilized as energy. It's not a like carbohydrate. It's not a source of fat. So to use fiber as energy, um, it just doesn't really happen. It, it's more something that's going to like run through your body rather than, uh, you know, being, being part of like, uh, your, your energy, but yeah, they did a great job. They made a great, they made a great product. Um, one thing that I really like about it, and this is like, might sound like a backhanded compliment, but the cookie is really good, but I'm thankful that it's not, it's not the same as eating a regular cookie. Right. Yeah. And, and because of that, you're more than likely not going to eat a whole, you know, shit ton of it. I, I love chocolate a lot. I like, I like dark chocolate a lot, but I also like milk chocolate. Like to me, milk chocolate, I, I can crush a, a milk chocolate Hershey bar, you know, a big giant one without any uh, regrets and without even thinking about it. Cause you just end up inhaling the whole thing so quickly, <laughs> but like a dark, like a dark chocolate, you get into like the 70 percentile range it's easier to be like, ah, I'm just going to have a couple pieces of it because it's not so flavorful that you're like, oh man, I'm going to, you know, eat more and more mm-hmm. of it. So I think perfect keto, they do a good job of like some of their bars. I will admit sometimes though, I want to have like three or four of them in a row, you know, because I, I don't know about you guys, but I've been putting them in the freezer lately. I've been putting some of their bars, the birthday cake one and, and a few other ones are putting them in the freezer and it's like the ultimate treat. And then, um, you know, Ron Penna told us, told us to take our collagen and, uh, the bars are full of collagen. I'm not sure about the cookies. I didn't look to see the ingredients on the cookies, but it's a great way to get in collagen and a great way to, uh, have a nice snack mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Yeah. We'll have to check the, uh, the full ingredients and then we'll have to report back. But if you guys want to take advantage of some delicious treats, uh, really easy, like hack for a ketogenic diet, uh, you guys got to head over to perfectketocom slash power 25 at checkout, enter promo code power project for 25% off your order of $99 or more. On top of that, you're going to get free shipping on your entire order. So please take advantage of that. Um, Mark, who do we have on today? I can't even, Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. You know, um, this is a person that went to high school with Joel Green. So, oh, my goodness. Uh, something hmm. weird must have happened at this school where people actually learned stuff and got super smart at this place <laughs> because, uh, you know, we, we all know how smart uh, Joel is. But I believe her name is Shireen, but we'll get the we'll pronunciation. Her and, That's why. Yeah, I, ho- I, hopefully. Yeah, no, I was going to say that's why yeah. I don't want to even say anything because it's, I, I wasn't sure if it was Shireen or Sharian, but I guess we'll, we'll make sure. <laughs> we'll find out. But uh, what a great opportunity to speak to somebody who's going to talk to us a lot about uh, what you can do uh, to combat depression, anxiety, uh, out of the profile. Uh, that you guys, I'll have to send you guys a, a couple pictures. Joel was sending me pictures. He's a bodybuilder. 
and she looks amazing she's probably like early 50s she's jacked she's in really really good shape she's doing like this double bicep pose in the picture that uh joel shared with me she looks awesome she really does a good job of taking care of herself um but in addition to that what fascinated me the most about her was she talks a lot about walking as being therapy um and then she also has a lot of experience with uh uh, ADHD and, and things of that nature. So I was like, wow, this is a, this could be a really cool opportunity to get in some good conversation about how people can utilize some, uh, some walking to help with what's going on right now. So, yeah, that, and you know, there's a lot of parents that are home with their kids and, you know, I mean, if, if any of them do or have been diagnosed with ADD or ADHD, it's going to be really cool to get her insight on what parents can do right now or like some of the, um, you know, just some of the things to not do if you are in that situation, which I think everyone's going to be able to learn from because we're all kind of not stuck, but we're we're surrounded by uh, by everybody like more now, right? Like we're we're like I've seen my daughter and my fiance way more in the past like couple of days than I have you know in the past couple of weeks. So it's I mean, it's been a lot of fun. Like uh, it's pretty. You know how like kids do things different than adults. So Jasmine will sweep and we have a hallway and, you know, when I sweep, it's, you know, small strokes and then you move down, you move down. She just does one big stroke the whole hallway and then does it again. And I'm just like, that's not how you do it. Like, shoot. Okay. But what's wrong with how she's actually accomplishing the job? And then I'm like, damn, I've been doing it wrong the whole time. <laughs> in SEMA, to put, to put it in perspective, having a child is kind of the equivalent of watching somebody play Mario Brothers and be really shitty at it. <laughs> <laughs> they, keep, they keep dying over and over again. You're like, that's not how you play the game. That's not how you do it. What are you doing? It's so – it's like uh, – it's funny because you want to make – like imagine watching someone – playing a video game you want to make commentary every time they like are about to screw up and, or screw up right it's like your own idea of being screwed up and so you watch your kids do stuff it doesn't matter if they're swinging a baseball bat throwing a football uh making their bed um brushing their teeth um everything they do is different as andrew just pointed out which is great and so different sets off an alarm in your head of like hey that's that's not the right way and then you realize like wow, I could like, not only can I sound mean and rude to my own kid, but I can sound like almost abusive Mm -hmm. if I'm not careful with my choice of words, you know, they might be doing something. Maybe let's say they're brushing their teeth uh, really hard. You know, then you might need to give them more knowledge about, you know, Hey, you know, we're trying to really take care of our gums and you're trying to, you know, brush some stuff away, but we don't need to go in there with like a sandblaster. And, you know, so that, you know, you're trying to just like point something out that might lead to a better result, but it's very difficult to be like, Hey, you know, you just want to hit him in the back of the head and say, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Sounds kind of like a relationship too. <laughs> well, I, I don't, not I don't know what them. kind of relationship you got going on. Not, no, I don't want <laughs> not hitting them, but like, you know, just they do things differently than you. Mm-hmm. And that different can just kind of seem like it's wrong, but it's not, it's just different. Yeah, and then it, what it what it really does is it it uh, makes you prepare for what you're about to say. Because when I say like no, like you're doing it wrong. What do you mean? Like why am I doing it wrong? And it's, I, and then you do the the parent thing, which is I, I don't know. Just listen to what I'm saying. Don't question me, which always leads to nothing good. But 
Yeah, dude. They they will they will question why you even like are you telling them something. So it you're always on your toes. It's frustrating. They just need to come to their own. They need to come to their own conclusion, right? Like if she sweeps, and then she finds that she keeps tracking, you know, what she keeps, you know, she keeps bringing it back and forth, right? Mm-hmm. Then she'll obviously look at it and be like. I didn't really clean the floor all that much. You know? Yeah. Or she has found a good way and it's efficient and it works well for her. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's like, that's a strength too, because like some kids, like I do this a lot as a kid, like I'd see my mom do something and I just like, just do it in a totally different, stupid way. Usually it ended up being stupid, but sometimes you might come across something pretty cool, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's just the fact of being rebellious. I was a rebellious ass kid. So, you know, it is what it is. Guys, I'm super sorry about uh, super training, but uh, you know, as we, as I, my wife and I were thinking about it a little bit more, we just don't want to get ratted out for anything. And so, uh, for the first time ever, ST's doors are shut down, even to uh, our staff and everybody else. So, just didn't want, um, you know, we we probably should have took action maybe a little bit earlier, um, but we shut down the offices and shut down everything. And it's just a matter of like, we want to make sure that the business is still thriving because without the business, we can't have the the facility. We can't have, we can't ever work out, you know, if we don't have that business cranking. So mm-hmm. that's what we're doing. We're just making sure that we're taking care of that and making sure that we, uh, that when we come out of this, that we come out of the other end uh, stronger than ever. And mm-hmm. there's no, no screw ups and there's no like, ah, you know what? We, we should have done a B C, you know? Just, so yeah, we're just trying to keep everything, uh, by the book basically mm-hmm. yeah i was I'm about to come out of this at 275 pounds nice <laughs> <laughs> see you next month yeah yeah I, I was uh so we got we got the text message late last night but i was already asleep so i woke up to that and i'm like all right i guess i'm training at home no big deal that's cool but yeah so i, I was caught off guard a little bit but no nah, i think it's the right move and i i don't see why we still won't thrive you know i think we're gonna be one of the few companies that actually do better, you know? Yeah, we're doing, we're, we're, we got a lot of stuff coming out. We, we've been working on, uh, jump ropes and, uh, different bands for, um, uh, you know, resistance bands that you can use at home. And then we also recognize that people are bored. So we're making stuff for that as well. looks like we got our guest here today. We're excited. We're excited to have you on the show today. Um, can we kind of start out with you uh, pronouncing your name for us? Because I don't want to butcher your name. Sherian. It's like librarian. Okay. Sherian. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sherian the librarian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How are you guys doing? Good morning to you. Morning. I like morning. your background there. <laughs> we are doing, we're doing great. And uh, it's my understanding that you went to uh, high school with our buddy, Joel Green. I did way back in, I, I graduated in 83. Um, I think he graduated in 82. So yeah, a long time ago. We're old folks. That's great. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. He, he shared a lot of stuff with me, uh, you know, about some of the, some of the work that you've done. And uh, I was really fascinated by, you know, you're working with uh kids that have uh, ADHD, um, you're helping people fight depression, um, and you're doing so with, with exercise and with movement. And uh, a lot of the stuff that I saw was about like walking 
And then on top of that, you're a, you're a bodybuilder. So I just found Uh your story to be great. And I think uh, for today, you know, sharing this information out with people at this time when people are really, uh, you know, they're cooped up in their house and they're trying to find exercise. Uh, We've been preaching here on this podcast for a really long time about, Hey, like, please get outside, hit up a walk, get some sunlight. So maybe you can shed some light on, uh, you know, some of the values of uh, just going outside and hitting up a walk. I love that. So um, one of the things that I do is like I have my clients meet at a nature trail. So we're walking, but we're walking in nature. And um, I mean, there's so many reasons why I do that, but I just want to say so much here. But I think like if I were going to just throw out some quickies, it would be that when you're walking in nature, you're increasing your T cells, your fighter T cells by 40%. And it stays elevated for 15 hours after you walk. That's like huge, you know, because right now, if, if people are concerned about the coronavirus, they should be concerned about their immune system. And just the fact that walking in nature increases your fighter T cells for 40% for 15 hours. That's mm-hmm. huge. And then also, because we're walking in nature, we're looking at the um, phytocytes in the air from the plants and the trees. And our body is like absorbing that. And that's like an antibacterial for our lungs. And if you look at COVID-19, it's like attacking our lungs. So that's going to be help us to be able to fight that a little bit more. So um, those two things are really important. And then if you look at it from a neurological standpoint, it's going to help increase serotonin. Like the thing that I see is I see that people are eating like junk food. They're eating more carbs. People are baking like crazy, sugar, 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 and then wine too, right? So research shows that when we're stressed, it depletes more serotonin or um, 5-HTP, tryptophan. And um, with that, people are going to crave more sugar and more carbs. And the walking or exercise in general will help boost up serotonin. Um, it's like everything, Nor- norepinephrine, dopamine, the feel-good hormones, endocannabinoids. I mean, there's like so much that the walking does. And can I add one more thing? I love this because like if I think I'm fascinated by this because if you look at walking, it's a bilateral movement and research shows that, that with that bilateral repetitive movement, you go into like a hypnotic trance state and with that, you can process what's going on. I literally don't, I think people aren't processing what's going on right now when they're not moving, when they're in their home and when they're sedentary and you need to process it. You can't just avoid this step. Because if you don't, it's going to increase your stress level and your anxiety level and just be crazy. Uh, I know, you know, for myself, um, I've had success with my kids um, getting them to talk about stuff through activity. I remember with my son when he was young, um, you know, if I wanted to get something out of him, you know, I could talk to him all day long and try to pry stuff out of him and he wouldn't tell me. He wouldn't tell me what's wrong or what's bothering him. He wouldn't 
share anything about his feelings or anything. But if I played basketball with him, if I threw a football around with him, then all this stuff would come out. You know, he would say, oh, I'm frustrated in class because, you know, the teacher, you know, made me do this. And I was embarrassed in front of the class or whatever, whatever the situation was. And then he'd start talking. And the same thing would happen uh, when we go on walks and stuff. So is that um, kind of what you're referring to? Absolutely. People open up a lot more um, when they're walking. And what I love with my clients is that when they're walking, they're not looking at me. So if I was your typical therapist, I would be in the office and they would be looking at me. I'd be looking at them. But when we walk, we're looking straight ahead on the nature trail and it gets people like it gets people in the zone. It's almost like a hypnotic zone. And they just start like, sharing and opening up and and when they're talking and walking with me it's just they're in a different place they're they're tapping into insight they're sharing more when i i work with um a lot of adults um i don't usually work with small kids on the nature trail because like there's mountain lions and poison oak and this and that and i, I just <laughs> i don't want to be responsible for you know anything like that um um, like, you know, I've had my own kit. <laughs> it's hard to keep them, you know, in line and on the trail. Um, but like when I'm working with adolescents, high school kids, they like totally open up immediately. And a lot of times it's not just the movement. It's like that there's deer there. There's animals. There's like so many beautiful things that just pop out and appear. And that just warms their heart in addition to the walking. You know, just the surprise element is like, we don't know if we're going to see like a butterfly, a baby deer, a turkey or whatever it is. There's just so many things that just pop out at us and, and that just gets us to connect more. So yeah, have you found the movement a, really helps. Have you found a huge difference in uh, these nature walks and trying to get around, you know, trees and grass and dirt and stuff like that versus... Um, just walking in kind of more of like a city area? Yeah. Um, Sanford did a study in, I think it was 2015, where they um, walked. They had two research groups. One walked the dish, um, hilly, trees, um, and then one walked on El Camino. And they did, um, what is it called? The It's not an MRI, fMRI, where they researched like where the blood went in the brain. And they found mm. that in the, sub, they found that area in the brain that's usually related to rumination. And they found that that area had less blood supply, meaning that people ruminated less when they were walking in nature compared to city streets. So I think that's really cool because a lot of times I work with people that ruminate a lot where they just rethink something over and over. And I think that that's going on a lot with like COVID-19 where people are really like, Oh my goodness, I'm going to get sick. I'm going to die. You know, all these worst case scenarios and, and they keep going over and over in their mind about it. And the walking helps stop that. I think the walking, in my opinion, that's like the biggest tool to help stop that rumination because that rumination ups your, your stress level. Like, it's like if you had a cooktop and you just turned on all five burners and you left it going all day long, that's what's going on with your body. You're releasing so much stress because your thoughts can't tell the difference between 
is this live or is this memorex? You know, it produces a stress response in your body, even if it's not happening. And I'm curious about this too, since you, you know so much about like the effects of walking. I don't think we've ever talked to anybody who can like go in depth on this just about walking. But uh, as gym rats, we like to, you know, think about frequency and reps and sets and stuff like that. Right. So mm-hmm. from that kind of perspective, do you think there's a, you know, a minimum amount of times you want to be potentially taking walks per day? Is it better to take certain walks directly in the morning time and again at nighttime? Like, what does that kind of look like? I love this. So um, if you look at the research about walking in nature, I have to bring the nature part into this. They say that it is, um, I think it's five hours a month, right? And that's just to maintain. That's not a lot, right? But they also say that if you're going through something, if you're processing something, the more you do, the better. So that looks like, um, I think it was uh, 1.5 hours a week. And then, you know, obviously that's like for the person that doesn't exercise a lot, you know, and probably doesn't need to process a lot. The way I look at this is like every single day you're experiencing stress, right? I mean, let's face it. We just don't experience stress like a couple times a month. It's usually daily and especially right now. If you watch the news or anything like that. So from my experience, I think that we need to do like inner house cleaning every day. Um, and so it could be really light. I mean, I do take days off now, um, because, you know, I'm a bodybuilder and like, I'm really trying to incorporate rest and recovery, which is a new thing for me. Um, normally I didn't do that in the past. Um, so I do try to practice a little bit of self care and recovery, but you know, I'm usually out on the trail five, six times a week. And before that, for many, many, many years, every single day for hours, hours. I mean, personally, the more I'm out there, the better I feel. I I mean, I admit I'm addicted. I am just addicted to being out there and moving. I feel so much better and I miss my trails. If I can't go, I'm just, I'm mourning it. I'm mourning it so much. So to me, it's becoming more than just exercising. Um, because I love the exercising, I'm addicted to that, and I have been for many, many years. But now I've combined the nature component to it, and it's like my home. And you know, we've had weird things this year where we had like a mountain lion sightings, and um, somebody took their car on the nature preserve and tried to run over people. So the nature preserve has been closed. Yeah, I mean, isn't that crazy? I know. I know, I know. Yeah, you heard right. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's been on the news and everything, and it's been closed for like four or five days a week at a time while they do the investigation or while they find the mountain lion, this and that. So I've had closures on my favorite thing, and I just go through withdrawals because it's, you know, it's, it's sad not to have, it's like your gym closing. <laughs> Does anybody like, kind of going through gym with Ross right now. <laughs> or do you guys all have home gyms? Oh, yeah. No, I, I think everyone's feeling the effects of uh, even just, you know, I do have a, a gym set up. But uh, even with the gym set up like that, it's, you know, you lose the energy. You know, I don't get to see these guys as much. And uh, you don't get to. But for me, it's always been even in a commercial gym, I see someone on an elliptical that's still 
gives me fuel, you know, because they're going after their thing and there's music in there and there's somebody's doing curls and someone's doing shoulders and I'm doing lat pull downs or something. It just, it's a lot of, it's a lot of good positive energy, probably similar to going out on the trail when you get to see other people and you're, you're getting energy from the animals and the birds and the trees and everything that you're seeing. Absolutely. You know, like that community that builds up in the gym. If you've been going, like I I was going to this gym for like over 20 years and everybody knew everybody, you know? And it is like, you know, if you had any stress, you, you got to talk to them in between sets, right? You know, it's just like our community. Same thing happened at the nature preserve where there's a community of people that I see up there. If I'm not with clients and I'm on my own time, like we all talk, yeah. you know, and it's just like the rumors, like the rumors about the gym. That's the rumors about the nature preserve. And we've, you know, developed this other community. So it's, it's really nice to have that community and support. And I miss that. And I miss the gym so much. You know, you're absolutely right. I was videotaping myself the other day from my coach doing some exercises. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like I do better when I'm videotaped. You know, like all of a sudden I have more energy to do, well, you know, these pistol squats or, or pull-ups. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can do it more. And it was like at the gym, I get that because I, I guess I pretend like maybe somebody's watching to make sure that I'm keeping up with my workout. You know, and I can't take breaks this and that. And, and at home, even though I have a pretty good status, it's just not the same. Yeah, and yeah that, that sense of accountability is, is nice. Yeah, you Did I answer your question about the times of week and, and stuff like that for walking and movement? Yeah, yeah, you did. Okay, good. Yeah, and actually you answered the question before I could even ask it about like what can we do to help, you know, kind of get back into the, uh, you know, that feeling of the community around us. But I think, yeah, filming and sharing that sort of thing with a coach or even just your former gym partners might be a good, uh, a really good move, right? So that way we can still I feel connected. Love that. Yeah, I was sharing my pizza squats um, for my coach because on my right leg, I'm good. My left leg, not so much. And I have hip pain. It's like I'm an older lady, you know. And, and I shared it and, um, somebody responded, Oh, like, I don't see the purpose of pistol squats. Like, why even bother? And then I was like defending it. <laughs> and Mark, oh, well, you know, I'm only as strong as my weakest link. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, <laughs> I'm defending this evil exercise. Like, what's wrong with me? Who defends like their worst exercise? The one that they hate the most. I, and then like, I wanted to do it and it was just like, that's bizarre because nobody at the gym would actually tell me, Hey, you know, I don't think that exercise is worth it. They, they would never have the guts to say that to me. But, you know, in social media, people do speak up a little bit more about their opinions. And I couldn't believe the effect that that had on me that motivated me. I'm like, I think they're good. That's awesome. <laughs> I'll do them more. <laughs> yes. Yeah, screw those people. What, what does social media know anyways? Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So going back to kind of like what Encima was talking about, like the meathead and all of us, uh, when it comes to the walks, like does adding resistance kind of amplify everything or does it not really matter? So as far as like resistance, uh, like meaning like maybe a weight vest or like ankle weights or something like that. I love that. I, I, I actually, um, I, I remember when I first started bodybuilding, I was just like, well, you know, it makes sense to have like, like, like 
um, arm weight, you know? Like, because if, if I'm moving, like, like maybe I can get some extra gains while I'm doing this. So I was doing that for a while. And um, I've always wanted to weight my clients um, using vests. And, um, and some of my clients, like, they would have a hard time with that, meaning that, like, we walk steep hills, like, steep, steep, steep hills. Um, we climb a lot. Like, it's like one trail climbs 1,800 feet. Um, and, and, you know, so that's significant. So in, in some aspects, like, we don't need that because there's hills there. There's, like, really steep hills. But I like the idea. I like the idea, personally, of adding that. And um, if I'm allowed to do running up there, usually I switch to sprint work. But when I wasn't allowed to do running, my coach would let me up there and run. And I would have to do interval work up there in the hills. So she had me do more interval stuff or I would sprint and, and, and run. Um, yeah, I usually don't wait my client. I have thought about that, though, for a long time. And I think that it would be beneficial just because it would be a harder load. I don't really count my walk so much or even my runs as a workout, mm. to tell you the truth. I mean, for me, it's more for my mind. And and I I love that time. I mean, I just let my mind spin. A lot of times I'm listening to a podcast or an audio book. And it's just, I, I just need it, you know, so I wouldn't really count it. I mean, I've been guilty of doing it without, like, permission. I sneak it. Like, some people sneak junk food. I sneak that. How have you used uh, bodybuilding and some of the stuff that you learned from bodybuilding and uh, maybe brought it into your profession and uh, utilized maybe some of the disciplines to – because you help people with relationships and you're helping people with all kinds of different family matters and things like that. Yeah. Well, I think that – People are better when they exercise. (laughs) People behave better. I mean, if if you want to be on your best behavior in a relationship and and bring your best self forward to the relationship, you need to have the the hygiene to exercise and to eat healthy and to sleep and, and to relax, meditate and all that stuff and have some healthy communication going on in your mind. So, yeah, I, I mean, it is critical. There's no way you can be nice to yourself, let alone your partner, when you're, you know, in your past and you're not taking care of yourself. Um, so, yeah, and all my clients have started exercising, have started going out for hikes, um, doing weights, doing resistance training. And I think that's really important. I mean, a lot of times they just look at me and um, and they're like, oh, wow, you know, you look pretty good for your age. <laughs> what do you do? Like, you know, let me start doing that as well. Yeah. Have you had to consult any couples where one didn't want to bother with exercise, but the other one did type of thing? And kind of I've, I've seen it before where the other person will almost put them down because they do want to improve. Um, have you had to help anybody like that? Usually that's not like the main thing that people um, come to see me for. Um, and a lot of the couples that I see, both of them exercise quite a lot. You know, that's what attracts them. But yeah, I, I do. I have experienced that in the gym, you know, for many, many years. I've been, I started teaching group exercise when I was 
17 years old. So like I've like lived like, I don't know, 40 years in the gym, you know, it's like a long time. And so I have experienced that a lot at the gym where um, one person starts to work out and then the other person starts to feel um, jealous and intimidated and, and, you know, upset about the amount of time that it's taking away, you know, from the family and the relationship. So, yeah, I have experienced that, you know, mostly in the gym type of setting or people coming and talking to me like, after class, if I'm teaching a class or, you know, if I'm training somebody, because I, I also do a little bit of personal training. Sometimes people will comment about, you know, how their, their partner um, is like jealous and doesn't support them. I see that with the gym and, and a lot around eating, um, eating behaviors, um, eating off target. Um, I see that a lot. And I, for my um, therapy clients, I see that a lot because you know i i have this component where i do want people to eat healthy food to help fuel their neurochemistry and um to help them feel better and um yeah so yeah both for working out and um a lot for eating how do you encourage them to maybe come together on that a lot of times um like for my walking therapy clients, they're trying to get their partner to walk with them. They realize when they're out on the trails walking with me that it's like a really good way to connect and share. So usually those guys are trying to have their partner go for a walk with them. And a lot of times um, the partner has like knee issues, mobility issues, mm. and they're not able to. So it's like a little wedge that so we kind of brainstorm ways to have them walk together because it, it would, it would enhance their relationship to, to work out together. Um, so for, for therapy, it's like they want to start walking together. For people in the gym setting, um, sometimes it's like inviting, inviting somebody into your workout space, like trying it. And, and if somebody is like a beginner, you're not going to overdo it with them and you're going to help them feel successful and you're going to kind of water it down so that they can feel like they have an opportunity. I know with me and my husband, um, you know, I, I'm really picky about form and stuff when people lift weights and, and um, because I had been group exercising and personal training for so long, it's like when we first started dating, um, I told him on our first day, it was really ridiculous. I'm like, oh, well, at first day ever, and we were set up, it was like a blind date. And I'm like, oh, I got to go to the gym at nine o'clock because they close at this time. And he's like, what? Like, you're leaving this date to go to the gym? Like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I have to get it in. It's the only time I can get it in today. I, I just have to. And he's like, whoa. And I'm like, well, you know, you can come along, you know, I'm fine with you coming along. And so he'd start coming to the gym with me just because like, that would be a for sure way to spend time with me. Right. And I started like correcting everything that he did. I'm like, and he's like, you know, like, I'm not paying you. <laughs> you don't have to correct everything I did. And, and like, I really got that, you know, that if, if I wanted a relationship with somebody, like that didn't serve me to go in there and nitpick everything that he did on a movement standpoint. And now, you know, with COVID-19, we've been working out together at home and I've been, you know, I have like 
my my child had like a adult swing set where it held it holds two hundred and um, sixty pounds. So I took it and put a yoga swing, a TRX band, and do pull ups off of it. I do so much off this thing; it's outrageous. And so we started working out together. And I've been showing him, you know, how to do things, you know, because he's not, you know, he doesn't know how to work out at home as much as I do. And um, that's been really nice. It's been really bonding us. If anything, I laugh like crazy. <laughs> but back, to, back, back to your um, uh, answer. Y- you know, I think the laughing and the not being nitpicky about like form and what people do is super helpful and encouraging them to work out and being super supportive. Like you would see in a CrossFit gym, you know, just like whatever level you're at is okay. Let's encourage that. And I think some of the things that get in the way of that is people, you know, like me being really nitpicky about the form and you got to do it this way. And, you know, you can't make it easier. Um, yeah. I think those things really get in the way. I'm curious if you can add on to that a little bit more. Like, what would your suggestions be to a person that does work out a lot and their partner just doesn't want to, or their partner just doesn't like enjoy exercising in, in any way? Like, how would you suggest that an individual helps that person or, uh, you know, encourages that person to, to do that? Mm. I mean, it's really hard because like people change when they're ready to change. And um, for example, I hate to say this, but my mother, who's 90, 90, almost going to be 91, wow. she's never exercised a day in her life. And, and, and my, I don't know, I feel like she might like outlive us all, you know, and she's like eating ice cream. I mean, right now she's, she's in mobile, in a bed. She can't move anything. It's really sad. And, um, and so I've lived my whole life with this mother that would A, make fun of me, at a really young age, I had to exercise. I was a competitive gymnast. I started like exercising at the gym as soon as I could at age 16, going for runs and stuff like that. And she was like literally criticizing me and make fun of me for working out. And I've always wanted her to exercise. And, um, and I was always encouraging her to exercise and eat healthy. And she never wanted anything to do with it. Never. And the more I push, like, you know, do a walk, do this, do that, the more she pushed back. And um, so finally, I, I think it was like her 87th or 88th birthday, you know, it was like, what do you get the mom that has everything? I said, I'm going to give you the gift of not pushing. I'm going to give you the gift of like accepting who you are and how you want to live your life. And I'm not going to push you to do your physical therapy. I'm not going to push you to stop eating the junk. I'm just going to accept you. And that was like the hardest thing I've ever done in my life because I literally don't agree with it. I mean, it, and it's, it's, it's literally sad to see her decline and she's declined so much. But with that, as I gave her that gift, I also gave a gift to myself and that gift to myself was sensory deprivation floating once a month to help me like like I'm not going to push her I can't control her at all but I can up my self care because I'm the one that has to watch this so in response to your question I don't think that you I mean you can live by example but sometimes when you live by example sometimes it's people's purpose 
to be opposite from you. Or, you know, my mom would go into, I'd go to the um, medical appointments with my mother and my mother would say, oh, she calls me Sherry. Don't listen to that Sherry. She just wants you to exercise and eat healthy. Don't listen to her. She would say that to the doctor because I was telling the doctor, hey, you know, she's not doing this. She's not doing that. And she spent her life just like resisting and pushing my exercise, my healthy eating away. And um, sometimes the more you push somebody to work out and eat healthy, the more they're going to resist you. Um, so sometimes you got to wait until they're ready to change. And with that weight, sometimes people, you know, if you look at the cycle of change, there's pre-contemplation. And down here in that pre-contemplation stage, sometimes people don't believe that they're able to exercise that they'd stick with it, that they'd be, you know, it's hard, it's intimidating. So I would work on like encouraging them, like, wow, look, you know, you said that you couldn't exercise, mom, but man, you raised your hand, you know, you did this, you did that. So anytime they showed progression and, and doing movement more, I would encourage that and, and try to build up the self-efficacy um, because that's like, if, if you didn't ever think that you could stop drinking or stop smoking, you, you like wouldn't people don't change unless they feel like they, they're going to be able to make a change successfully. And if they have support around making that change and you know, really when the, the change is better than not making the change. And I so wish that that would have been the case for my own mother. You know, I wish, you know, with her Parkinson's that, that she would have made that change because she would not be so um, not able to move right now. But she didn't. And, and that was her choice. And I got to be okay with that. And in order for me to be okay, I just, I float. <laughs> I give myself a gift. Um, it's so it. So to answer your question in a nutshell, you can't make other people change, unfortunately. People you, change uh, when they're ready. Hey, you said a, you you said a lot. You can increase your self-care. You said a lot of really powerful stuff right there. Um, there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot to what you said, and, and I, I want to kind of highlight it a little bit. You said sometimes it's people's jobs to be opposite of you, and that's really powerful. And then... Um, talking about change, you know, I think <clears throat> I think we sometimes feel it's our job to change people, you know, and, I, and I've been doing that for a long time, even with my, my own social media. Like, I want you to do this because it's making me feel this way. And then I have changed my own dialogue around to be more like, this is what I do. This is how I, this is how it makes me feel. And, and maybe you'll enjoy it as well, you know? So I've kind of given up on this, like this, this fight, this like resistance that I felt like I was fighting. And I kind of have just explained it a little differently and said, this is what I do. This is how it makes me feel. And, and hopefully you find it useful for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and I, for me, I'm going to get a pillow. Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to sit on a relaxed pillow. Um, there we go. For me, that was always super hard for dealing with my mother, you know, because I, I do believe in it so much. And, and um, yeah, so yeah, I, I push it, I try to push it by example, 
you know, and, and I try to sell it. I mean, for me, there's nothing better than like reading about like how eating healthy and exercising affects your neurobiology. You know, like I love that stuff. I want to talk about it all day long, but other people just aren't that interested in it. But people like if, if like I'm wearing a swimsuit and I have like abs and everything, people are interested in that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I want some of that. It's like, to me, it's like, it's not about your body. I mean, it is because I, I bodybuild, but you know, you have to understand that I'm using that bodybuilding as a tool to be on target with my behavior um, in regards to eating. And I mean, I don't need any tools to be on target with my exercising. I mean, that's just, I just do that. You something know, I, I always have. Something I learned um, years ago, which might be helpful to some people listening to this, when it comes to any relationship, your relationship with your mother, um, my relationship with my wife, anyone's relationships. Um, and it's this idea of this one question. And it, the question is, how can I love you more? You know, and, and so mm-hmm. if you think about like uh, my wife, let's say, wants to go on a walk. And I'm thinking like, F that. Like, I, that's the last thing I want to do. I don't want to go on a walk or I don't want to go wine tasting or I don't want to do, you know, something that's even just watch a particular show that she might want to watch. And if I think about that question, I'm think, thinking this is a point of interest for her. This is why she brought it up. She wants to do it with me. Don't be an idiot. Just take the opportunity and just do what the hell she says, you know, and just – and, and, and who knows, maybe we'll both have a great time doing it. And it just allows, it's another opportunity. You don't have to say yes to everything. There's just another opportunity to love someone more and just show you, show them your interest level. And that's, I, I think that's that. what we're, what we're yeah. always trying to do. I love that because you're investing in the relationship in order to have the relationship work and not have like the, like work at, or you need to invest <laughs> in the quality of the relationship by spending time together, you know, doing what the other person wants to do. I, it was so funny the other day, my husband and I were, um, we were working out and we had to do like this cardio drill. And um, my husband loves anything where you throw a ball or a frisbee. He's like, like a retriever dog. No, <laughs> um, he just loves that. And we started like throwing this ball and he's like, he like lighted up. And it was just like, you could just see his face. He was like, ah, yeah, I love this. And um, he plays basketball design and he grew up with his father throwing the ball to him. And all the time he wants to take a break. And we have two daughters, right? He's like, he wants to throw the ball with me. (laughs) Throw the ball with me. And I'm like, oh, geez, I might break a nail. (laughs) So I don't like you as much with him, but um, he's just like dying for that. And I really got the other day that when we were throwing this ball that he needs this. You know, yeah, we spend time together hiking and investing in our relationship through movement and through maybe watching the show or what have you. But that that whole activity of throwing a ball together, like my husband grew up with that. That was his bonding time with his dad. That's like what he likes to do to relieve stress. And like, I should be doing that more. And I was like dying. I was like in tears dying because the look on his face when he was catching the ball was just hilarious. He was like truly happy. I was just like, I just haven't seen you this happy before. Like I need to do this more. 
And I'm, I'm thinking like, gosh, can I order a med ball on Amazon? Because <laughs> that will be two for one. Because we were using a basketball, you know, and doing tricep push-ups on the basketball. I mean, you know, if I had known that I'd have to, I would have gotten my equipment from the gym if I had known that this was going to happen, you know, and had some time to prepare. <laughs> you know, but yeah, and we're working with a basketball. I'm pretending as if it's a med ball. Oh, well. Cool. I was curious actually about this then. Um, Cause right now, obviously you're not able to go on as much nature walks and trail walks. You're having to work out at home. I am. Oh, you are. Yeah. It's oh. really cool. The nature preserve. I mean, I don't see my clients up there mm-hmm. because I just think it's unsafe. Um, there's a lot of people. Um, but my nature preserve has made their single track trails one way track. Um, and I try to go out like in the middle of the day where there's not as many people up there. It, the parking lot's crowded. The parking lot's full. There's more and more in, in, um, mid peninsula open space preserve is open right now. They want people to be out exercising and on trails. The beaches and public gathering stuff is closed. But that stuff's open. They're encouraging it. And I think that if you look at the research around the T-cells, this and that, about like being in nature, that supports it. In, in my mind, that justifies it. And, and I, I don't know what, why. Can you guys, I mean, I know that you guys are from the Sacramento area. Can you guys work at in nature preserves up there? Or, I mean, I bet you all trails are open, right? Yeah, we went uh, and walked on a trail not too long ago, and um, it was open. But I don't know if they've since uh, shut any of that down yet. But there was, there was probably too many people, you know, on the trail. They should probably look Absolutely. into maybe limiting the amount or something like that, you know. Yeah, I've I've been working on my kind assertiveness skills when I go out there because I have to tell people, "Hey, I'm coming up on your left. Can you move over to your right?" <laughs> You know, thanks for turning away. Wow, that's great social distancing. So I've been having to speak up a lot because there's so many new people out on the trails right now that have never been out there hiking or on a nature trail, and they just don't know the etiquette. And some people aren't really following the social distancing. So, yeah, your question, I'm so sorry. You were going to ask me about, like, what do you do if you can't work out of the trail? You know, what if we're in lockdown and we can't do that? What was your question again? Yeah, I was actually wondering, lockdown. like, how you're, what you're suggesting to your clients, because obviously, you know, you're asking them to work out at home if they can't go to the gym. But what other practices are you having them do to keep everything up here kind of sane if they're not able to really get out? I'm literally, um, right now when we're not on lockdown and we're at shelter in place, I'm literally encouraging my clients to go out into the neighborhood. Um, I have a client that has autoimmune disorder and she is staying inside and I'm having her moving more and exercising more inside. Um, but anybody who doesn't have an autoimmune disorder or and feels comfortable to go outside, going out in their neighborhood and taking a walk. And I'm highly encouraging people to go to different nature preserves um, and just experiment with all these different things. And for us as a family, we're doing that. You know, every every weekend we're going to a new nature preserve, hopefully less crowded, and, and we're getting out there. So, yeah, I think that that's really important. And I, I am going to add one little thing here. Um, 
I am encouraging people to take rest days right now. And that's one to two rest days and to really focus on not exercising to exertion because when you exercise really intensely, it brings down your immune system. I think it's like 72 hours afterwards. Um, and, and that's really not what I want right now. So I am encouraging that when they exercise, they exercise at a, you know, zero from 10 scale, like about a seven and that they do take their rest days and that they don't exercise when they're tired. They didn't get enough sleep when they're, um, you know, have a fever or anything like that, that they boom, take it off and, and have that rest and recovery. And for me, I'm, I'm really upping the meditation, the sleep. I, I love sleep. Like, love it. I, I sleep a lot. Um, but I do that because, you know, I move a lot and it's super important to have that, that recovery, that conscious recovery. So I am stressing that as equally as getting out there and move, moving in nature, exercising. I'd love for people to do that, but I don't want people to overshoot that right now just because of the toll on the immune system. Um, you've mentioned T cells quite a bit. Uh, what are T cells exactly? Uh, beats me now. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's, it's like um, it's part of the immune system. I I, th- I believe it's, it's part of the um, white blood cell cells, um, spider T cells. So they they would run around with that crowd and help fight infection. Got it. And then, so would um, more cardiovascular training be better for that, or would like more hit or even more um, like weight training be better, or is it all good? That was re- that was related to being in nature. So, oh, okay, I mean, got it. In in regards to that, so if you can bring your workout outside, like I, I usually do my own workouts outside in my yard as much as possible. So I have, you know, the vitamin D from the sun, all the nature elements. I think it's like a little bit better for me because I'm getting the um, microbiomes or the biomes from the soil, you know. And I I literally, like my first week out, I was doing like a low push-up and just holding it on the grass. And I ended up getting this rash on my face. It turns out that I'm allergic to grass, you know. But when I was doing it, I was just like, hey, hovering for the longest time, thinking like, this is so good for me. I'm being so close to the grass. So, yeah. So when, when it comes to working out, if you can throw it into your yard or any space outside, um, that's how you would get the fighter T cells to increase because that was specifically related to being in an outdoor environment. What got you into bodybuilding? Cause it's, it's unconventional, you know, uh, female bodybuilding is, is kind of unconventional, but then also, um, you know, having done it, what did you say? You started like 40 years ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> that's very uncommon. Uh, what got you interested in, in gaining muscle? Um, well, when, when I was younger, um, say 19 to 20, I really wanted to be a bodybuilder. I went to all the shows. I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if I can only eat healthy, ah, you know, and, and, and I was just like really into it. And, and like, if you think of the time frame of this, this was, um, probably like 84, 85. And when I went to the shows, the, everybody started using steroids at that time female bodybuilders started using steroids at that time. And I thought, 
oh my gosh, like, I don't want to do this. Like, because I'm so competitive that if you put me in an environment like that, I would start using steroids to get there. You know what I mean? It just like wouldn't take much. So I decided when I was like 20, 21, that I'm not going to do this because of the road that I would go down. I'm young. I haven't had kids, this and that. And so I didn't. And I just kept working out and I've been working out ever since. But then um, when I was, um, I gained a lot of weight with my second pregnancy. I mean, I was really big and, um, and I was really devoted as a mom um, and gave all my attention to my kids, but I always kind of worked out. And then I started getting in better and better shape as I aged. And every year I would challenge myself. Like Jack Lane was one of my, do you guys know who Jack Lane is? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Um, he, he's somebody that I grew up admiring. And what I admired about him was every, every year on his birthday, he did something to challenge himself. Mm. And, and so I was like, I don't want to be just like Jack Lane. So I started challenging myself every year on my birthday. Um, I remember one time I was into Ulta um, running and I tried to run uh, 50 miles for my 50th birthday. And um, I got to, and without a lot of training, and I got to uh, mile 43. And like when, when I did this, it's like we had 12 hours to do this and I was driving electric. So I had to like, go move my electric car off the charger during this like 12 hour period. And when I got back, I was just like, oh my God, my body can't move. You know, it was like mile 14, 15. I was just like, ah. And, and so anyhow, um, making a long story short, everybody knew me at the gym as somebody that would take on the challenge. And I was uh, meeting with my personal training friends and, and they, they said, Hey, you know, Shireen, why don't you do this for your birthday competition? And, and it was a natural bodybuilding show. And I said, Oh, okay, <laughs> let's do it. Mm -hmm. And so I started, um, I started for my first show at age 51 with only four months prep. And like, literally, yeah, isn't that crazy? And, and literally, I thought that they were going to throw like rotten fruit at me or something getting us on stage. <laughs> I mean, really, I had nothing. And I ended up taking um, second place. And I don't even know how I did that. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, you know, if I get first place, then I can become pro. Ha, ha, ha. Obsession sets in. And then I had been competing every year since then. Um, like, I don't even know how I did that. I mean, basically, let's face it. When you show up to a show, it's like, who else is there? And and I think I was, like, so excited. I was just, I don't know what happened. But, yeah, somehow I landed with second. And, and I was just like, wow, this is awesome. So then I kept competing. And then afterwards, I, I wasn't doing this good. I would get, like, really, like, nervous, mess up my back post, this and that. And then the last competition, I, I got first in uh, 40 and over, and I was age uh, 55. As a matter of fact, I did a post where I went, I'm 55. And, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> everybody was like looking at me, but I was just so happy to do that up on stage. It was so nice. But I got first in my age group, and I tied for second overall. Um, I compete in natural bodybuilding now, and um, the reason why I do that is because my dog's coming in. Um, the reason why I do that is, hello, 
I wanted to make sure that, you know, like I didn't compete when I was younger because of the steroids. And, and now that I'm older and there is natural bodybuilding, I do want to support that just, just because like, it's something that I believe in and I believe in the community. So, um, yeah. So I, I started doing it because like my coworkers, Dared me, <laughs> and they know I will do anything that you dare me to do, including walking on heels. And, and as a matter of fact, my my one coworker um, um, teaches people to pose in um, in bodybuilding and and um, bikini. And he really wanted me to do bikini because he didn't think I had a lot of muscle mass. And I, I don't have a lot of muscle mass. And um, I'm like, I can't do that. I have two teenage daughters. <laughs> I just, you know, I'd rather come in last place and do what I want to do than do that. And plus, like, I mean, I drive him nuts when I'm trying to pose. He's like, he's like, no, 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 no. Don't do it like that. Walk like this. Flip your hair like this. And I'm like, if I do that, I'm going to fall off my heels. <laughs> so, not not going to happen. Yeah. Bigger. What's your diet like? What's your nutrition like? Oh, uh, I, you know, my diet is like one of the key things. Um, so you should know I have like, I've had food allergies my whole life. And, and I've been like one of the weird people. I stopped eating like wheat and gluten at the age of 25. Mm. And um, I've always been allergic to dairy. Um, so I've only had like, mm, like, I'd say like five years where I ate dairy in my whole entire life. Um, so, and, and I've worked with different coaches. So I have a coach right now that really supports me in my autoimmune um, disorder eating. And, um, and so I eat primarily fish, um, bison, um, three ounces, breakfast, lunch, dinner, maybe one or two ounces. I have like this, special protein powder that I think is like the biggest treat ever. I put a little bit of water in it, mix it up. Sometimes I'll dip um, 90% dark chocolate in it. So I prim- primarily eat like fish and protein and vegetables, like a lot of vegetables. I do have um, the flexibility of having more fruit. I have an orange tree out there in um, the yard. And I, I will definitely engage in eating the oranges right now. Um, just because I don't have to go to the store for it. Um, I'll eat berries and stuff like that. Um, I, for fats, I eat olive oil, uh, a little bit of avocado. Um, I was eating coconut oil for a while, then I had um, some issues with that. Um, so I had to cut back just for my body. But primarily, like a lot of whole foods, I don't eat anything processed or yeah, I just, I don't, I mean, I did have a bison bar last night. Um, and I do have a little bit of the protein powder, um, which is like a thorn protein powder. Hmm. Um, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, just basically good, healthy, whole foods. And I really stress that with my clients because a lot of times I specialize in working with people with ADHD and a lot of times people don't eat. People just don't eat. They forget to eat. They get busy, this and that. And, and I think that's, that's brutal on your um, neurochemistry and it makes your stress more. And, and talk about communicating in a relationship, you know, that's going to make things so much worse if you're not properly 
um, nourishing yourself. You know, I'm really curious about that um, as far as individuals with ADHD is concerned, because uh, I don't know if I'm, I'm wrong about this, but I've heard that like a lot of people just get misdiagnosed for having ADHD and ADD and they get put on medications when they potentially don't need to be put on medications. So uh, my main question is like for the parents that are listening to this um, that think or they've been told, oh, my child does have this. What are the things that like they should look for? They should pay attention to that are red flags that it's actually they, their child does have that or their child doesn't have that and then ways to move forward. I think that there's a lot of research saying that if you're not getting adequate sleep, if you're not getting adequate nutrition, if, if you're not moving that and primarily it's like the sleep that I'm after that it really looks like ADHD. You know, so when, when I work with parents with ADHD, I do my, my whole ADHD parenting class, but at the end, I really stress my four little wheels and, and that is, you know, sleeping, um, relaxation, exercising, nutrition, and the, the fourth one would be sleep. So this one would be relaxation. So I'd like to say that I don't care whether or not you have it or you don't have it. And ADHD is not like a pregnancy test where, you know, yes, you're pregnant. No, you're not. It's like a spectrum of symptoms and disorders. And over here, you might be ADHD, Asperger, um, autistic spectrum type of disorder and over here you might have mild symptoms but what we're looking at is does this interfere with the quality of your life and does this overwhelm you and affect your attention and and um and if the answer is yes then you should do something about it and when you do something about it I mean, there's this book called Finally Focus, and it was written in 2019 by a psychiatrist in Monterey, Carmel. And he really goes into the dietary sleep and exercise components on ADHD. I mean, if you're really looking at what makes a good ADHD day and a bad ADHD, it would be those lifestyle components. So instead of just doing medication, um, he goes in and and says, hey, you know, let's check for food allergies. Let's make sure that you're getting like proper magnesium, zinc, all these different things that would help your neurotransmitters communicate better. And let's take a look at that and let's integrate that into the treatment. Um, I work hand in hand with an ADHD clinic in Los Altos that does a lot on that as well and works with nutritionists with clients to help make sure that they're fueling properly. Um, so sometimes people are able to do the lifestyle approach and that's something that I really preach with my clients. I'm after using lifestyle to, to change their ADHD symptoms, to change their anxiety and um, depression symptoms because you can do so much with that. You can do so much. But sometimes people need a little help with the medication and, and that's okay too. But to think that you, you know, like it's a misdiagnosis and or you just need medication, I, I really think that you're, you're doing a disservice to humankind by doing that. I mean, I think that it's 
quite frankly, like the cheap way to go um, where you don't have to address your lifestyle. And I think that when you address your lifestyle, there's just so much more that you get. You get self-efficacy, um, you get self-confidence. I mean, there's just so much more that you get with the lifestyle approach. So I'm preaching the lifestyle approach from any kind of disorder. Medication related. Medication uh, may not even be a good place to start um, unless the symptoms are really uh, drastic. Would you, would you agree with that? I think that, um, yeah, I think that medication can be effective. It's really fast acting, but I'm really into the lifestyle part of it. Um, I'm like the meditation. If you learn how to meditate, if you think about this behaviorally, when you're getting your mind focused on the mantra, your breath, whatever, and it gets off track and you bring it back on track, you're actually strengthening that part of your brain. I believe it's called the corpus callosum that helps you bring it back just like you would a muscle at the gym when you're lifting weights. And the more your mind gets off track, and it will get off track more often with your ADHD, the more you strengthen it. So it, from that standpoint, your lifestyle things will do more to help your brain be more independent and better operating for a longer period of time without the side effects. And that's, that's what's important here. And it will you know, help with cognition in the long run. You know, I always tell people that I'm going to be the smartest cookie in the senior center, you know, with all my behaviors and my lifestyle stuff. You know, uh, I am curious about this too. And I feel like you kind of answered that question throughout everything you're saying, but have you seen um, individuals just like, because, and I know there's a spectrum of how, I guess, how, uh, how strong their, their sickness is, but um have you seen individuals be able to come off of medication with lifestyle changes all the time? All the time. Yeah. All the time. And when people work with me, um, like we get their lifestyle stuff up to par and then they slowly start weaning off. I mean, the truth of the matter is that there's plenty of research that says, Hey, you know, if you're exercising, if you're eating healthy, if you're sleeping, you know, and relaxing that, that this is lifting you up. This is going to support you. It's, it's, it's in, and it's not, it's like supporting the neurotransmitters. I mean, it's like hardcore evidence around that. Got it. What is, uh, what is ADHD exactly? I mean, and do we all kind of have it? Like, it's hard to concentrate on anything nowadays. <laughs> well, stress uh, will make it hard for you to concentrate. So anytime you're thinking about other things and stressed out, it makes it harder for you to concentrate. And if you look at the ADHD person, um, the number one thing that they're going to experience is feeling very overwhelmed. So I think that right now you're probably right. There's a lot of people that are very overwhelmed right now, making it super hard to focus and concentrate. Um, but back to your question, it would be so much so that it would affect the quality of life. Meaning that when you're in class, you're just not on topic. Um, with focusing on what the teacher is saying, you're like more looking at the window or, you know, doing other things. Um, sometimes people can have sensory processing disorders where um, they're more concerned and they feel things so much it bothers them. Like for me, I, I wore my first mask yesterday 
And I was just like, oh my God, like, this doesn't feel good. And I'm like, oh, it makes me want to itch and touch my face more. It's like, what's the purpose of a mask if it's going to make me like, you know, and I just realized, like, that's my sensory processing step, you know, like, of course, you know, the mask would bother me and I need it like a super silky mask or whatever. And um, things like that are really overwhelming and take your focus away. So, um, ADHD usually have a lack of dopamine and norepinephrine. It's low and we need to raise those two neurotransmitters. Actually, GABA is an important um, thing with ADHD um, that tends to be low. So do we all have it? Um, yeah, we can have a tendency to go there. Um, is it going to be enough to get diagnosed? Maybe, but probably not. But if you did get diagnosed, you can do a lot with lifestyle. Do you think school maybe potentially makes uh, makes those things worse? Like uh, maybe we ask too much, you know, to, to for a six year old or eight year old to have to sit through such long periods of class. Absolutely. Developmentally, the ADHD kid is two years younger. So if they're six, they're really like four, right? Developmentally, and it's just really unrealistic to have the kids sit down and and do the things that they have to do. I mean, if you look at the kindergarten curriculum now or first grade curriculum, that's like crazy. It's really crazy. I mean, like we were playing back then. And developmentally, there's like a lot of research saying that developmentally kids just aren't ready for that. I mean, I gave both my kids the gift of another year. And um, hey, I, I just really got screwed with that this year. My, my daughter is graduating from high school. Now she's not able to graduate because I gave her that gift. It's all my fault. <laughs> God, I feel so guilty now. Um, but I gave him the gift of another year because developmentally, if, if they're like, she was a November birthday, and developmentally, you get a, a December baby, like December 6th with a November baby in a room in kindergarten or first grade, yeah, those later developmentally um, kids, you know, from August to December are going to be behind. And if there's any kind of learning disorder or ADHD, they're going to be even more behind. And I think that I've seen with my kids' school that they're becoming more interactive with high school and more projects and more hands-on, which helps with learning and retention and, and helps your ADHD kids focus a little bit more. But in the elementary schools, it was, it was kind of brutal. Yeah, I'm a December, December kid and I, uh, you know, have definitely had uh, my my fair share of uh, learning disabilities. I wasn't really diagnosed with anything in particular um, because just like the school I went to and the year that it was, I've never I never heard of ADHD. Um, I'm sure that there was probably people studying it at the time, but, you know, it's 30 years ago. So I, I didn't really they didn't know how to deal with it, basically. I got labeled as ADHD and dyslexia when I was a kid and like, I'm older than you, but I was really bad. <laughs> um, and what I mean by that is like, I also had like really bad speech impediment and, mm. and like, I would just be all over the place. And like my learning disabilities were like so insane. It was, it was crazy. And I think that's, that's probably why I love the lifestyle technique so much because in my mind, 
Like I'm really trying to level out the playing field. Like I will do anything to get my brain to be normal <laughs> in regards to my learning disabilities and my ADHD, like I do anything, you know, and, and like the lifestyle stuff is definitely my vehicle to be, to be normalizing my brain. And, and that's what I noticed when I was younger, like this stuff really makes a difference. Like how I eat really makes a difference with how I'm able to focus and be on target with that. But yeah. So, um, yeah, sometimes it does go undiagnosed. I see a lot of people who come to me when their kids get diagnosed because it's so hereditary. Like, so if, if like two parents have it, you have like an 85% chance that your kids will have it. Mm. Um, if one parent has it, I think it's like at 25 to 50%. So it's very highly hereditary. I'm sorry, I messed up there. The stats. If one identical yeah. twin has it, you have an 80%, 85% chance that the other identical twin, two parents have it, it's a 50% chance, one parent it's a 20 25% chance I'm, that the kid will have it. I'm also curious, actually, because it's like nowadays you'll see every single kid or a bunch of kids have phones, iPads, tech. Um, do you know if there is any... Uh, effect positive or negative of you like, like kids with technology that have ADHD is it a po- like in terms of general day to day use is there a positive effect or is it generally negative is there a way that parents should think about handling this instead of just putting their kid in front of a screen yeah I mean you know to follow the screen guidelines per day is really healthy I mean a lot of times when you're ADHD you're going to be um, hyper focused on things that really are of interest to you and a lot of times those screens and games are very um, it makes the kid hyper focused and really absorbs their attention um, but you ought to know that there's other things that other kids hyper focus on like playing Lego or reading or playing an instrument or a sport you know so I, I like the hyper-focus to be on those areas because it would really benefit them more than the screen time. Um, I think with the screen time, the things that I like to look for is like, are they moving? Are they um, avoiding screens later in the day um, so that it doesn't interfere with their ability to sleep at night and have a restful sleep? Um, what else can you be doing instead of screens? And if screen time is something that you really, really, really enjoy, how can you fit it in a little bit, but not have it be too much? So it interferes with, you know, quality of life. You doing the lifestyle thing, socializing with other people. So back to your question, screen time is easy. Medication is easy, right? Because like it is like the electronic babysitter. It is like a sure way to like, I even see it at the nature preserve where parents are bringing their kids and the kids are on the screen. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, that's the good way to keep the kids on the trail and out of the poison oak and this and that. Cause like, they're like, ah, uh. um, it's not healthy for them, you know? And like the nature preserve is inviting like, you know, butterflies, caterpillars. There's just so much to see that it's inviting the kids to get out of the screen. So when you look at nature, 
and ADHD, nature is like one of the best things you can do to be in a nature environment for your ADHD and not on the screen. So that was some really roundabout way. Ah, look at you in your glasses. <laughs> yeah, the, the screen's just a little too bright now. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much uh, for your time. I really appreciate uh, you coming on the show and, and sharing uh, this information with us. So it sounds to me like, uh, you know, sleep, you know, getting in, uh, you know, some, some form of proper nutrition. Everyone's got their own kind of take on that. But yeah. getting some sunlight and getting your sleep um, not only will it assist you all the time, but it will assist you especially. Right. And exercise uh, will really assist you, um, especially in these times of uh, this virus floating around. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it was a pleasure to be on the show with you guys and to meet you. Thank you so much. Enjoy Thank the you. rest of your day. And I hope that I hope that you guys stay well and healthy and continue doing what you're doing. Thank awesome. You. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you really so much. It. Yeah, that All was right. awesome. Bye. Bye. Okay. See you later. I was really hoping that we'd be able to talk to her about her fountain of youth because, <laughs> I mean, there definitely are some, like we've talked about lotion, but, you know. Uh, she wasn't going to give away that secret. No. Yeah, I was hoping so. I will say yeah. I, I washed my face for the first time the other day. Slow clap. How did it feel? Uh, well, the you'll really love this. Um, I was really, really tired. I was like, dude, I got to take a shower and I blinked and like, you know, when like the sweat like burns your eyes, I was just mm-hmm. like, Oh, I was like, no, I was like, I don't want to shower right now. So I washed my face and went to bed. Good. Good for you. <laughs> but I was filthy though. <laughs> I just didn't want my eyes to burn. At least you did that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what I washed it with, but it, it felt invigorating. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. hope everybody takes walks after this podcast, though, because, uh, yo, like, it, it's it, it, especially nowadays, that it's good to go do that multiple yeah. times a day and even after this. Yeah. And I hope people, yeah, take walks and then look at Sherry, Sherry, dang it, Sherry Ann. Sherry Ann and realize what lifting and bodybuilding can do because she said she was 55. I was like, there's no way, but man, that's, uh, and two kids. Like this is somebody that I can like tell my fiance, like, Hey, check out what she's capable of doing. You know, like this is good motivation. So I, I don't know, man, I'm all surprised. I had no idea. That's great. Sounds like she doesn't eat a lot of, uh, a lot of carbs and it also sounds like she doesn't eat a lot of fat because she's eating eating like fish and and vegetables and she did mention like a little bit of olive oil and avocados and stuff like that but yeah she probably is just getting in that protein mm-hmm. yep you know how useful that can be i mean what was his name ted neiman mm-hmm. yeah he's, he's really big on that and yeah it's just i think the biggest thing that i i got from her uh, was the exercise part. How do you encourage somebody to exercise? Um, and just like, you gotta just not, I, there, there are some people in my life that I'm just like, they just got to back up and I just got to let things run their course. And if they, they choose to, they do. If they don't, they don't. Mm-hmm. They'll hear it from the a person that it will just click with them. You know, I remember, you know, for years, 
telling my family about, you know, omega-3 fatty acids and, uh, you know, cardiovascular training and weight training and different things like that. But until it was said by like Oprah or Dr. Phil or, you know, it came from, uh, you know, some other celebrity or person, mm-hmm. then that's when I would get the questions about it. You know, hey, what, what is this thing Oprah was talking about? Or what is this thing that I saw on TV the other day? You know, now it's, now they're interested all of a sudden. But that's the key is they, they're going to have to be interested. And I think people are probably smart enough to recognize, like, I'm not really, I'm not interested in that. I don't want to be like in SEMA. I don't want to be like these fitness people. And I think that they maybe think that it's too large of a mountain to climb, but maybe they don't understand that just getting exposed to it for a handful of days can start them off into a a really healthy direction, you know, Mm -hmm. but they're going to have to stumble upon that themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Very true. Yep. So we have have to back up though. Yeah, we have another podcast to get ready for, and I really, really got to go to the bathroom. So yeah, I know it's bad. Also, I had a little bit too much coffee this morning, and my stomach's rumbling. So I just got to make sure everything is cleared out before the next one, (laughs) just in case. You know, you never know. Yeah, what time is it? It is twelve twenty-four. So we have a little bit of time before the next one, but uh, cool. Yeah, it was, it was really good timing on on our part. So thank you, everybody, for checking out this episode. Um, we talked about Perfect Keto to start things off. If you guys are interested, check out the links down in the show notes and the YouTube description. Please make sure you're following the podcast at Mark Bell's Power Project Podcast. Oh, no, mine is podcast. Uh, on Instagram, at MB, at MB. Dude, I'm falling apart. I really got to go. At MB Power Project on TikTok and Twitter. LinkedIn, Facebook, all over the damn place. Uh, I am at I am Andrew Z and Seema, where you be? And it's Seema Yin Yang on Instagram, YouTube, and Seema Yin Yang on TikTok and Twitter. Mark? I'm at Mark Smelly Bell, and please go check out markbell.com. Got a lot of free workouts over there, uh, giving away the whole month for free, so you can get your at home uh, exercises if you have minimal gym equipment and, and if you have no gym equipment. Strength is never a weakness, weakness is never a strength. Catch you all later. Bye. Power Project, thank you for checking out this episode with Sherry and Lee. And thank you, everybody, for rating and reviewing the podcast on iTunes. Uh, I will say it again and again and again. Uh, we cannot thank you enough because it does so much for us. Right now, we want to give a huge shout-out to Jackie Sean. Uh, Jackie says, one of the best podcasts. Quote, Mark Smelly Bell is all heart and all in. Whether it's powerlifting, his family, his business, he gives it all. He is truly an awesome person. This podcast has awesome guests doing big things. If you want to open your mind or change the way of looking at something, need encouragement or have a good laugh, this is the podcast. He is humble, works his tail off, and has a great sense of humor. He is genuine and so down to earth and relatable. That's why they call him the people's coach. I'm a forever fan. Uh, Jackie, thank you so much for that. That's Man, that's so kind of you to say all that good stuff about our uh, our boy Mark Bell. Um, thank you so much for taking the time out to do that. If you listen in right now, if you would like to hear your name right on air, please head over to iTunes right now. Drop us a rating and a review, and you could hear your name on air, just like our homegirl, Jackie Sean. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace.